are listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. At the top of the hour this hour, tips on starting a girl group. Over at the lesbian-focused site Autostraddle, Elena has written a helpful post with 10 steps to starting your own all-girl acapella group. From recruitment to leadership to defining look and theme to rep, the post runs the gamut of the process in a cogent, well-written piece. In addition to supporting the continued growth of new groups and diversity, by outlining the sequence leading up to a group's first performance, Elena has consolidated the information into a manageable list. Although written from the perspective of starting an all-female group, the advice in the article is appropriate for all. Check it out over at autostraddle.com. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, and today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Danny Leapster. Hey, John. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Danny. So, Danny is someone I've really wanted on the show for a long time. Danny was in the Timberman at the University of Puget Sound, the group I started, and he came in at a very critical time and has been a cornerstone of the group in keeping it going. He's a very interesting perspective in that he, unlike some of the other people in the group, was not like trained as a classical musician, did not come from straight out of theory class and sight reading Bach and all that stuff. You know, he just came in and he had a good voice in the audition and he held his part and we're like yes this is what we want and I think that is a role that that a lot of acapella groups are composed of and it's not talked about a lot or it's not talked about in settings like this so that is why Danny is on the show today also because he's my good buddy and Danny why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself okay well I'm from uh, Northern California uh, I'm now 20, and I started at University of Puget Sound, where I met the Timbermen uh, when I was 18. Um, came in for my freshman year, mostly doing theater, which was kind of my life in high school. I was in nine theater classes by the time I graduated Ooh. in total. Um, <laughs> half of my schedule was theater. Um, and singing had always been something that I knew I was at least gifted at if not good at um (laughs) you know like i I knew i had a a good voice but i hadn't really done that much to refine myself Mm -hmm. i had had a a bit of vocal training um when i was in a musical um but mostly i just kind of winged it um looking back my technique was pretty awful but you know i mean that's how most people start out Mm -hmm. um coming to college i was in the play the main stage play um my first semester which is an awesome opportunity um what i didn't realize is that the person who came in to teach us uh you know there were a few songs in the play and the person who came in to teach us was actually a member of one of the other acapella groups on our campus and when timberman lost a member um john went to uh this guy named michael um to see who you know if he knew anybody who could sing who was a tenor and my name came up so I got the email from John basically saying, you know, that they'd like me to audition. I was like, I would love to be your new tenor. And, um, <laughs> and uh, he said, okay, it's just an audition, you know, cool your jets. <laughs> but um, 
I came in and really liked it, and uh, that's that's kind of how I arrived there. It's been a really cool road ever since. The group has evolved a lot, and I've been yeah. there for a big part of the growth stage. Yeah. Being there for the growth stage, I think, is a really good way of putting it. I feel like, Danny, for a lot of people, you know, if we took all the people at University of Puget Sound, or let's just say all the people in, like, acapella groups in the world, I think there's Mm a very big chunk of them who probably don't read music or didn't start out reading music and learned through being in the group. And that's a very interesting learning process for one, but I think it's just a position a lot of people find themselves in. And I think, so what happened was in Danny getting into the group, for those who don't know, basically he was like, okay, I could tell he had a really great voice. He understood a lot of stuff in regards to specifically being like a tenor and passaggio navigation, blah, 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 blah. Um, But he's like, you know, I can't really read music that well. And I was like, well, you got a good voice and you can hold your part. And that's that's really what we need. We can teach you your part. We can show you the ropes and you can learn by being in the group. And that's a situation so many people find themselves in. I know quite a few of the acapella groups on campus have, at least on our campus, have a lot of people who don't read music. And Danny, I'd really like to hear kind of what your that experience was like coming in you know being part of especially in a group of I was only four people then where everyone's on their own part and just like go learn your part do it even though you weren't from the same background as a lot of people and that doesn't mean like less that's not a like by any means less or anything but that's just your that was your unique situation and you really rose to the challenge on that and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole experience yeah (laughs) Well, it was uh, jarring at first because, uh, I mean, you know, playing music with my voice was not an easy thing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it was it was something that I knew I could do, but, I mean, when somebody, like, I could sing, but when somebody said, all right, now make this music specifically, and they had me read this strange language that I didn't know how to read, <laughs> it was, com- like, completely illiterate in. Like High Valyrian? Um, yeah, completely. It was exactly like that. And, like, I didn't really know how to, tra- like, I couldn't sight read to save mm-hmm. my life. And, like, I barely learned music given plenty of time. So that combined with the fact that suddenly I was around three other people singing different things <laughs> was uh, was kind of like a, a tough and, like, jarring transition at first. But one of the things is, like, I kind of learned to make music in that setting, mm-hmm. you know, with other people around me like now i have a really good sense for harmony and a really good sense for how to combine different sounds because i learned basically uh, my my musical career started with me singing you know in that small group setting where i didn't have anybody else to rely on i only had you know oh like i know this sounds this way because when that person makes that note i have to make this note you know it's like um so it was tough I remember at first I was just like I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this like I, li- I had a, a moment of doubt after the first rehearsal just being like I don't know if I can do this mm-hmm. um, but I kept practicing and I kept you know trying to basically like the, the thing for me was that like I still I still I, I don't know if I'd qualify myself to say I can read music because I can't look at something and play out on a piano immediately. And like, I, I do want to learn to do that. I can, you know, do it with a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I don't have like a great sight reading capability. The way I learn is by, you know, interacting with other people. Like that was the, my big thing for 
you know, learning my part is going to rehearsal and then going to sectionals and trying to mm-hmm. hear, okay, this sounds this way. Like when it sounds like this, it's right. And so I knew, you know, when I was, you know, when it was pressure time, that, like I had to make it sound that way. And I knew how to modulate my voice to like make it sound that way, you know? And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I learned to sing. Like yeah. all these things I'm talking about are very basic and that's probably what you're thinking. Like, okay. Like, and it is, that's how I learned to sing, um, which was a really great experience for me. I think it's probably helped me out musically way more than if I had, you know, kind of learned to sing doing solos because there's nobody else to critique you if you're, I mean, uh, other than your vocal teacher, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. that's not, that's not while you're performing here. It's like you're actively performing and there's other people that you have to match that are, you know, making, you know, you're, you're sure you're on pitch because if you're not on pitch, you hear it. Um, and so I've kind of, I've, I've learned to sing that way in that group setting, which is really cool. Yeah. It's very, well, you know, we kind of threw you in the deep end. We're just like, go. And, yeah. um, but I think you learned a lot from that, obviously, as you just said, because I remember, um, you know, thinking this from uh, an auditioner's perspective, not an auditionee, but someone who's like listening to people and like, OK, let's see what this person has. Because I remember from your first audition, we heard your voice we're like, oh, this is perfect. This is what we want. It's an actual tenor voice and like one who's got a good falsetto and a good sense of like how his voice feels and what he can do with it. And we're like, that's what we want. And then we had, um, we just gave you a sheet of music, a very hard piece of music, um, which we're going to listen to in a bit of, uh, the tenor one part to wild Irish Rose. And we're like, okay, go learn this and come back. And, you know, um, (laughs) and that's a hard piece. And basically we're like, and you came back and you're like, ah, you kind of got it. And we're, and we're kind of like, okay. And then I was like, Hmm, let me, let me try it again. Uh, I was like, let me give you a recording of the part and you know just get in your head just it was just me singing it and playing on the piano i gave you that recording and you came back and we all played together and we're like well there it is like it just clicked immediately so it was this kind of it wasn't like this highbrow sight reading like let me just look at this and immediately understand how a seventh Mm -hmm. uh, reacts or whatever but you know you just learned it note by note and some might say that's like you know, it's like it's probably the most basic learning experience, but that's what it's all based off of. That's what all singing is based off. And you just learned how to do your part, which on that piece made a lot of sense because there wasn't like the harmonies are crazy. So it's more just like focus on getting your note. And you came in and you did it. And we say, OK, these are the three things. He's got a good voice. He knows how to use it. He can sing in tune on his own and he can sing the harmonies right if he just has the part and he has time with the part beforehand. And I think, and that those were like the three checklists. For me, it was like, okay, we'll just make part recordings. And we did that for another member in the group at that time. And it worked out really, really well. And, you know, we just threw, <laughs> we, we just threw in with the lions and was like, okay, yeah. learn how to do this. And, you, and I think for other people in that situation, I've seen both kinds where people like, okay we're like hey yeah be in the group you are contributing this sound great we want you in we need you to learn how to do this and this and this you know throughout the semester and you were very and this is what i think differentiates people you were you were very active like yes i want to learn this you were learning all these different things both by osmosis and your own practice but i've also seen people just like uh, not in our group but in other groups just like they get in and they're like well i'm fine i don't really need to learn how to do anything and that's not that's just not a good place to be especially because while it's overwhelming learning by doing and just being that situation and by osmosis is a very vivid and visceral learning process and it's Mm -hmm. very in your face but you get it because like you have three people being like no this 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 
Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like it was scary, but it was also exciting. Yeah, completely. And and I mean, you touched on something there that I think is important to note is that if you're looking for someone, if you as a member. Uh, or a leader of an acapella group are looking for someone who's going to come in and be like, no, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I would caution you on that because, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing is, it it is, if you're in an acapella group, you're probably in college. And if you're in college, there's, I doubt that you're singing like Pavarotti, you know, like Mm -hmm. everybody has room for growth. Um, to all the like acapella group leaders out there listening to this, look for people who show potential but don't necessarily have that um, refinement because yeah. you can, like, I know for a fact that I sing well in an acapella group because I was like metaphorically raised in an acapella group. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's where I began my singing career in, you know, you know, properly. I, yeah. So, um, I think that that that's like that's definitely something you should look for. Um, I think that being a rookie can just kind of be a, a huge asset to you and really be an asset to your group because you can mold the person to you know sing the way that you want them to. Mm-hmm. And that brings up you know yeah I totally agree in that it's really easy for people you know especially if they're music majors and I was guilty of this especially like our first year I think of auditions just kind of like oh well they can't read music ah, I don't know if we will have them in the group and just kind of um, not trying to meet them where they were but more just kind of like this is the line be there and learning by doing is so I think so much and is a position so many acapellites find them in and I think Danny you're right on the nose in that like don't dismiss someone just because they're not like your perfect like um, sight reader just off the bat you know that's great and if you can get those people that's awesome but the, you know we talked about this in episode three of Tacapello um, with Lauren Park in that individual motivation is like huge and I never put anyone in the group like there, there was someone who auditioned earlier on and they just didn't they had a great voice I think they could read but they were just did not seem motivated or interested and I was like uh, no thanks and people who are rookies and understand maybe they're not quite there in terms of musicianship they're if they're the right kind of people they're gonna jump on that and because they know they're kind of greenhorns they're gonna really really work hard to get to that Mm -hmm. spot and i think that was the case with you i think that was the case with another member of our group and other members who have come in since then totally going off of that danny i really remember um the person we had before you the other the tenor who left the group that put us into like okay panic mode we have to find a tenor and every like music major tenor in the school was taken and pretty much every mm-hmm. other tenor was taken <laughs> we were in this position like okay what are we going to do and the guy who <laughs> left had a very good voice and was a trained musician and did mm-hmm. well but when we can when i compare the recordings from that first semester in the fall where we had him and then second semester in the spring when we had you listening to those two recordings back to back they both sounded super great and in some ways he was really good in other ways you fit our group really well better than him and so, and basically just because we replaced that guy with someone who wasn't a music major didn't really read that did not change the sound of the group and it did not make it worse in any way in fact i think it made it a little bit better because mm-hmm. i think your tone fit really well and it just lined up and i felt you were ridiculously hard working for that situation i think it's really easy for music majors um, and i'm guilty of this sometimes is to not 
put as much work in or put as much work in learning their part because they know they can learn it pretty quickly and they might just save it for the last second or they might just you know try and learn it in rehearsal i've been in rehearsal where i've just kind of sight read but for people who are maybe a little more scared or know Mm -hmm. that they need to put in the work they're going to do it if they're the right kind of people so again to any acapella group people listening out there uh dedication and if they can you know if they can sing well if they can sing in tune and they can hold their part in harmonies and with the wild irish rose danny that was like a hard piece to hold your part on so we knew like yeah and that tenor one part is probably the hardest of them all and you know yeah, you're brutal man it was it was really brutal and basically we're like okay well if he can hold this harmony like he's going to be able to hold just like basic major chords easily so we gave you a challenge up front and you rose to it and that's what I think for any acapella group leaders listening, don't just go with voice or music reading because motivation and continued motivation that can really come from being quote unquote more inexperienced or less classically trained is really valuable. And you might also, you get different kinds of timbres from people who aren't classically trained or you open yourself up to way more possibilities when it's someone who's not just like coming from the same voice studio as you and is in the same mold. You get not just different voices, not just different colors or timbres, but you get different opinions. And Dan, you had a lot of ideas that I think really shaped the group that me and the other musical director might not have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think one thing that I want to say, I will get to that in a sec. One thing I want to say is that when you said the the recordings may have even sounded a bit better, it's not so much a credit to my voice. I'm sure the previous tenor had a far better you know, voice at that point than I did because he had plenty of training. What I think it was was that I never had an individual voice in that time. I had a group voice. I knew myself through the Timbermen. Like mm-hmm. I knew myself through my acapella group. That was how I sang. And that's why I think that you know, bringing in someone who doesn't have necessarily that great sense of what their voice is yet or that great sense of how to sing can be super valuable is because they like i i completely defined myself through um what i sounded like with you guys and that was all that mattered yeah 100 percent of like your vocal energy and your analysis of your voice was put 100 percent towards how do i sound in regards to the timberman and that kind of um yeah. pros and cons like um in regards to just like uh, I, if you listen to earlier recordings, um, I think well, our second semester, I, you know, I come from a classic, you know, very classic background, and my vibrato would just cut through the group and did not blend well. And I had to really, but even in my last semester, really bring that back a lot. So basically, my not all of my vocal energy was going on how to sound great with the Timberman. And I don't think you always want 100% of, you don't want to like change your voice or like force it to sound a certain no. way. Uh, but, and we were lucky in that we had people who had a good sense of vocal pedagogy who could also kind of guide you. I think the reason your voice is good, even though you were only, you were kind of thinking, how do I sound good with the Timberman is because we, we created a group, that was found not founded we created a group culture that was like healthy vocal singing because it's really easy to like yeah. force your voice into like a peg hole you know circle into a pentagon or whatever and it's you know yeah it'll sound good when you're in there but maybe it's not the best it's not the healthiest but i think you putting pretty much all your effort into sounding good with the timberman and us already having a solid foundation of like healthy vocal singing is why you have a good voice and why and besides that it's naturally good like mm-hmm. it created a good environment for you to thrive in mm-hmm. 
Yeah, completely. Um, it was a very good environment. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to actually listen to a recording of us, the Timberman singing Wild Irish Rose here, and we'll be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. back to Tacapella. Ooh, so, that was a really good bring that was a really good way to bring them back in. You have a great radio voice, Danny. Thanks, man. I want to do my own podcast. That's do it. that's fun. I will. I will. It it probably won't be acapella centric, but I'll make it happen. That's fine, dude. All right. So, Danny, I know you as a tenor uh, I face some very unique challenges, especially relating to what we talked about in the first segment before the commercial. You know, a tenor who had not spent a lot of time in like classical voice lessons or as much time with classical pedagogy as some of the others, as our previous tenor. And that can be a really tricky situation because I've seen some like acapella tenors who maybe not, who aren't as trained and they just scream it up there and they have like no voice and it's it, like they, they they will have no voice because they sing unhealthily and they're worn out really easily etc etc so i'd love to hear about your experience with that so um uh, i think that as a tenor you face really unique challenges in a group uh, especially a new tenor um because freshly grown freshly grown freshly plucked uh i was just a wee lad had never sung that high before i mean that was really one of the, the things for me that was jarring about it when I talked about my moment of doubt earlier after the first rehearsal was that you know when I sang that Wild Irish Rose that gets up there now I can sing that pretty easily because that's what I've been singing you know I've been singing in that extremely high range like right around the passaggio if I drop a little below mostly mm-hmm. I'm above it yeah. um and I've been singing in that the entire time I've been in the group but I think that um, one of the hard things for new tenors is dealing with just how high you get because I was um, you know I was singing mostly musical theater before this actually Mm -hmm. entirely musical theater and you know 
most shows that you're doing in a high school or like you know community theater production are not going to have very intensive you know male falsetto parts it's mostly a lot of belting and a lot of you know powerful voice you're just trying to really get a sound out there Mm -hmm. but uh so i wasn't used to that kind of sweet like refined refined tenor tone that's required in a lot of the pieces that we've done Mm -hmm. um and that was the the hard thing for me was learning how to deal with my passaggio and yeah. like learning how to deal with navigating it. I actually had trouble with that up until I mean even this semester. Like, and I would I would do it, but I had to really kind of force it, which is not something I wanted to make a habit mm-hmm. of. Um, getting classically trained was huge. Um, yeah. So what did you, um, could you explain the, like what you did this semester that was different in regards to training? Yeah. So, um, I had been taking voice lessons with, um, I had taken a few voice lessons when I was in high school for a musical. Um, but I had been taking voice lessons, um, with, uh, one of my voice teachers back here and we had done some Skype lessons and I had taken a bit of time off voice lessons to try and give myself some some rest because my voice was pretty tired mm-hmm. um, and this semester I decided you know I had tried one vocal teacher at the school for a few lessons and it hadn't really inspired me um, and so I took uh, your word John and got with one of the vocal professors at the at the school um, who took me on completely, totally changed the way I sang. So I had been kind of singing, you know, unhealthily, and I had been doing my best with, like, no real knowledge to sing in a way that didn't ruin my voice, and mm-hmm. I had been breaking by. But she, you know, in the within the first lesson, I learned things about my voice and about just the male voice in general that I didn't have any idea of before, mm-hmm. which was... I mean, really eye-opening for me. So, um, I think I going back, I definitely would have um, that first semester that I was in the group started with you know my like bona fide vocal performance professor at the school um, started taking lessons with her because I mean that was a huge, huge benefit. Yeah, what kind of vocal like vocal pedagogy, vocal technique stuff did she work with you on? Because I know as uh, you know, and as other people might not know, I graduated college in the group in December. And then I came up and saw the performance in April, the first one without me. And there was a huge difference in the sound and much healthier. And I'm interested uh, in what she did exactly, get into the nitty gritty pedagogical stuff. So the first thing is she taught me, um, well, actually really kind of, it was the focus was, you know, people had said, you know, you have a good pop sound. And, like, that's, you know, a good thing to hear because it added something to our group because almost everybody else was classically trained yeah. aside from our bass. Um, but what I lacked was the refinement or even just the technique that a classical training brings. So she, the first thing she did with me was she was like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to sing classical. Like, I'm going to teach you how to, and we're going to work on this aria and we're going to learn it. And- we're going to learn it right and I'm going to teach you things like you know how to like there was a lot of breath control that we went into um, and you know she would do like exercises like messy de voci and you know little things to try and kind of expand my uh, my chest voice to because to, I, I, ironically that's actually where I was having problems was my chest voice not mm-hmm. so much like my falsetto and my like really high upper range yeah uh, 
because I had kind of trained myself into those, but uh, I'd beaten myself into that, not really eased myself into it with good mm-hmm. technique. Um, so we worked on kind of rehabilitating my voice, and I was having a lot of problems with my chest voice and just trying to, which is strange to say, but I was I was having a lot of problems with it. And she got me on the right technique there, and then taught me just how to shape you know like my mouth and my throat which muscles to contract which to relax mm-hmm. um, how the sound is is changed by which part you know of your body you have tension in mm-hmm. um, and that was you know it's it's all that stuff that vocal teachers go through like you know Oh, like she, you know, she'd have me like grab the piano and and lift it, or I mean, not really lift it, but you no, know, but yeah. try to lift it. Lift the entire piano above yeah. your head. Well, well, actually, one time I I pulled on it, and I started pulling it up. She was like, "No, no, no!" Like, no one. We get lifted. it, Danny. You're ripped. In case anyone so, else didn't know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so she uh, guided me through a lot of breath stuff that i mean that made a huge difference and That's then what i did like after, all of freshman year lifting the yeah. part of the piano to engage yeah. the lower abdominals yep and that was i mean that was huge that made a massive difference in just the ease with which i can navigate my voice yeah uh, i no longer felt the kind of and i don't know whether other tenors have felt this but i feel like there's i always felt like there were zones that i had to jump to to mm. like kind of hammer out a note which is not a healthy way to do it yeah now you know it all felt really fluid after you know taking i I probably did eight lessons with her um recorded all of them make sure you record your vocal lessons if they don't if your teacher doesn't make you make sure you do it anyway yep um because it's super helpful it's Um, the great i mean it's i mean that's how you practice because you might not remember everything they say that's the only that's the only way i know how to practice with recordings yeah and so I would go back and and as someone who can't really play the piano very well I would have to listen to the recordings to learn you know the pieces that we were practicing but we did um we did stuff from like the basic like the tenor vocal literature book which is like it's the most basic one um get it on Amazon and it's uh it's got a lot of great classical pieces in it we did some Italian stuff um and then some stuff in English and it was really helpful it also made me feel like a real singer which i you know it's gonna gonna sound weird but like psychologically that had a huge effect on me is not just feeling like like getting classically trained really made me feel like okay i know what these guys are talking about because one of the things is you guys would throw out in the group classical oh yeah just even just like basic musical or vocal terms and i would kind of go along with it but didn't really fight <laughs> what was going on and you know i i eked my way through but actually learning the kind of things that i needed to know was big um and that it really helped so you know obviously like i was praising you know people who don't necessarily have that classical training earlier but it's something that as for those people that don't have that not the people that are you know looking to bring those people into group for those people those young tenors definitely go and get classically trained you yeah. know 
learn yeah. what their voice sounds like, learn what the group is, but within a few weeks, you want to start getting those classical lessons because your voice will thank you. You will be way healthier, and you will not have to deal with, you know, the terrifying notion of, will I be able to hit this note tonight, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how did you bring that to Timberman? Did she work with you on your solos for Timberman? Yeah, so that was one of the things we did um, in the you know in the last few weeks. I was like, okay, we can work on this opera later, but now we need to work on this so I can have a <laughs> decent performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it it did help a lot because she you know taught me how to navigate it. Like that was one yeah. of the things she was you know she was teaching me all these classical pieces, and then I would go to rehearsal and not really be able to produce the same kind of results i was still it's different the same repertoire thing. it's completely different genres completely. and styles and, it, and it's faster and it's yeah. much less you know it's much less focused on the individual singer that's the thing mm-hmm. of, you know she always told me like take time don't just read what the notes say you know feel the notes and you know kind of you can take time with them you can mold the music around your voice a little but with, you know, pop stuff, that's not easy, especially when you have four other people that are suddenly like, yeah. why are you off tempo? Um, <laughs> so uh, that was um, the last kind of step in in the, you know, very basic touch that I made in this one semester. I'm going back to vocal lessons 100% in the fall. Yeah. But, um, was translating the technique I had learned on classical stuff to, you know, the pop pieces that I was working um, with the actual acapella group. Um, And that was, that was hard. But once she taught me how to kind of navigate through it, and once I learned how to see something in, you know, it it seems daunting at the first because you're used to singing it a certain way because I had been singing it a certain way the whole semester. Mm -hmm. And once I learned to see that it could be done differently and it could be done in a healthier way, it became easier. And it was much easier to kind of flow through the pieces, which I think did change our sound a lot for the better Mm -hmm. because, you know, it gave me a lot more power just like going through and plotting out, all right, I know that this is going to be like, I know I can kind of just, glance over this note and really hit this note because that's okay mm-hmm. and you know it can still sound good i don't have to go all out on every note yeah distributing your the, resources effectively completely and that's what that's one of the hard things for beginner singers i think because i think people i i know i associated power with goodness mm-hmm. but really like i mean you know the quality of something is not you know you don't have to go all out on every note and that's that was one of the hardest things to unlearn was like oh I need to really hit this high note like yeah. really hard because really like you know people are going to hear it it's a high note it's that's just how <laughs> sound works and that's yeah. something you said to me all the time you know like um, people are going to hear it and like I you know n- realizing that I can you know lightly hit those and they'll sound a thousand times better than if I slammed into them you know that's that was one of the things that I had to unlearn and then kind of from there I could rebuild my the, the really like the structure with which I sang yeah no that makes so much sense I'm just God, I love it. So nice to hear just all this pedagogy. It's just, oh, God, it warms the cockles of my heart. Every single (laughs) cockle of my... my, Um, no, I think that makes so much sense. And I'm so glad. I hope your teacher's listening. Um, yeah, and I think 
that the idea of taking vocal lessons and classical vocal lessons, and I've said this before like a billion times on this show, is it's a lot of people on both sides. Uh, you know, one, it's so great that you had a teacher, have a teacher who is like, yeah, I'm going to teach you classical stuff, but I will also help you do this, you know, more popular, contemporary popular mm-hmm. acapella music correctly in a healthy mm-hmm. way. Because it's so easy for, I've seen voice teachers like forbid their students from being in acapella groups. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. unless it's like <laughs> they like gargle acid before like every performance, I think yeah. it's okay. Um, yeah. Unless it, maybe it's like a screamo acapella group. I haven't seen one of those. If you oh, have that one would of be those, that, groundbreaking. That okay. I'm gonna. I'm writing it down. I'm gonna Google that later. Um, I'm kind of scared to see what I find. But it's and something uh, two episodes ago that Greg Starr mentioned was a lot of people or some teachers maybe they just don't know how to teach it that way. They don't know how to merge the two styles. And both you and I have had teachers who do know how to do that, and that's so helpful i had a an f sharp and i'm a baritone on the australia by the shins and i was like okay like i can do it classically but how do i do it without it sounding you know like it's from the magic flute and she helped me was like okay you you think of everything very forward you actually close off the space but you support it and all this stuff and it was very pedagogically like enlightening to get the full to understand the spectrum that there's not there's not two sides to this it's a spectrum uh, mm-hmm. there's one end and we bring it to the middle and I think one it makes the teachers seem so much cooler if they're like yeah man I'll teach you how to sing the shins but also like yeah. it's infuriating when I see acapella groups not want to embrace that and try and mm-hmm. draw a line in the sand of we're on this side we do pop you do classical and like no they get melded together especially in like really contemporary classical music and acapella they get melted together way more and they're going to continue to be melded together and I think the groups that sound the best are the ones that take voice lessons and understand how to do it healthily and yeah. they're also the ones that can do it multiple times because yeah you can probably scream out a high B and like really just rip into your vocal folds but i've done it yeah yeah you have but you you like you can't do that for like if what if you're in a professional acapella group and you're like touring the country you can't do that every night yeah no you can't it's just i mean there's there's a certain level that becomes completely unsustainable i actually hit that point i mean we had a performance where i was just like guys i can't like on stage i you know we had to kind of turn around and powwow but basically be like we have to cut you know a couple of these because i my voice i mean there were other things going on with my voice yeah that made it unhealthy but yeah i mean part of it was just due to the fact that you know there were times when i would just scream things out because and it still sounded good but it just like those moments were would you know there were moments on songs that would mm-hmm. destroy me for the rest of the song yeah and that's so 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 tricky also i remember that piece and that one went like high C sharp so don't beat yourself up for that yeah um, (laughs) it's one of those things but it's something you do have to deal with and as someone like you don't necessarily have this perspective as someone who's given that those are the things that you define yourself by you know you don't define yourself by the rest of the piece that you nailed you define yourself by that high C that you can't do. Yeah. Oh, that's you know that's a really really good point. Yeah, and that's that's also just part of being in a live acapella group performing live music. I, I've been in things where I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I can sing this right now. Uh, we'll go with it, or maybe we won't, or maybe we'll change up the set. And that's what's really nice when you have a small group and you can just like yeah. make changes on the dime like that. And you know, I think you handled yourself 
very well for all that stuff. And I think the underlying part of this whole thing is like take voice lessons, ideally from someone who's like not close minded and has a good pedagogical understanding of contemporary and popular um, contemporary and classical music. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. We're going to take another little commercial break here. Um, So we're going to listen to Starlight, and this is by BU Troublemakers. And we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. And coming up next, we're going to talk about a few trickier topics that that are a little harder than just taking lessons and learning to read music. And Danny is here to give us that perspective. We'll be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. Far away, far away. 
And we're back here on Tacapella with my guest, Danny Leapster. So, continuing on, Danny, I think you also had a really interesting situation that you hinted at a bit earlier. And that was you had some vocal health stuff unrelated to technique, just like in your mouth, pharynx area, that, that kind of was a really tricky situation to navigate. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so I have enlarged adenoids which are basically uh these things at the back of your nose that in most people just kind of shrink away as you get older but in me they've actually gotten more pronounced so it's you know i haven't really had that many other medical problems so i kind of didn't really bother with it because i figured you know it was just allergies or something Mm -hmm. um basically what it translated to was I couldn't really breathe through my nose and I got congested all the time, yeah. which can be hard. Breathing through your nose is a really awesome luxury that a lot of people take <laughs> uh, for granted. If you have to breathe through your mouth all the time, you can't really take very good care of your throat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're sleeping at night and you have to breathe through your mouth, you wake up every night with a super, super dry throat and mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're sick, it's way worse and it can give you like I get sore throats way more easily than anybody else I know. And it was one of those things where it was just this annoying, persistent thing. You know, it wasn't catastrophic, but it just always be kind of there. And it affects your sound if you have something on the roof of your mouth, which is where, you know, a lot, it's a huge cavity um, Mm -hmm. for sound. It's an important cavity, especially if you're trying to, you know, do it classically where you have to like yawn into the sound and Mm -hmm. make sure there's plenty on top of space. And if you can't really do that, that's tough to deal with. Um, So I was, I saw an ear, nose, throat doctor and he was the one who told me I had enlarged adenoids. But previous to that, you know, I just, doctors had just said, oh, you have small nasal passages or something. But he figured it out right away. He basically told me, you know, you can take this flonase and it might shrink away your adenoids or you can have surgery when you come back over the summer and like we'll just have to reassess Mm -hmm. so i elected to take the flonase and i was really worried about having surgery because as a singer having surgery is like super scary it's just scary like i don't want you know like vocal track surgery is just not something i want to mess with because not at all yeah i didn't want to have to go there so i took the flonase and it worked out pretty well so you know if you have medical problems definitely don't go to surgery first that's like that's a uh, super scary prospect as a singer i'm sure all of you who are listening take that as a rule of thumb but um definitely go to your doctor go to go to a make sure you go to an ENT that knows what they're talking about I had seen another ENT that had no idea and got it totally wrong so make sure you get a couple different quotes on what's going on with your Mm -hmm. because you know I I mean I had thought for two years that it was small nasal passages but it was a challenge but um it actually I was worried that once I started taking the medication and stuff and if my vocal tract changed then I would have to deal with like it that it would throw off my sound but it did thankfully um so luckily that was like a pretty big crisis averted with the yeah. So yeah so I'm wondering what did you do you, you know because you said you had sore throat you said um really dry and stuff I'm wondering how did you outside of actual medical intervention and stuff what did how did you cope with that while singing in a group that required you to you know always be singing out and be very vocally present how did you uh how did you cope with that 
Um, hydrate, number one thing. Hydrate is like, just like, it, hydration made all the difference for me. Like, I was not, like, I would have some problems and then I would come back a week later and, you know, really hydrate, like, three liters of water a day. We all need to drink three liters of water a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, on, like, and to have your vocal folds really hydrated two hours before you start Two hours singing. before, yeah. Um, that was, that's something that I literally always remember because you told me all the time. Because <laughs> I would um, text us, like, hey guys, it's two hours before <laughs> two our gigs. So you better start drinking water. I had a yeah. voice lesson at 9 a.m. on Monday mornings, and I didn't want to like wake up at 8:30 and drink water and then go to it. So I would set an alarm at like 6:55, 7 a.m., drink a ton of water, go back to sleep for like an hour and a half, and then go to my lesson. And I was all hydrated, and that made all the difference. Yeah, no, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Um, like on days when I was like, "Wow, that was a good day. That was a good rehearsal." It was because I was well hydrated. Yeah, um, I mean, so that's how you do it. That was a huge step. And then um, just generally take care of my voice, not like going out and screaming all the time on weekends, um, and like not drinking too much if I knew I was gonna have to. You know, not that I would ever drink as someone who's under twenty-one, but you know, <laughs> you know, just like you know, being careful about being around. Yeah. That. Absolutely. I, you know, in regards to recommending ENTs and stuff, I had a very, I had a slightly similar situation in that I had really bad acid reflux. And especially if you, Danny, you Mm. might end up getting this. And a lot of people do. 90% of like classically trained singers develop acid reflux. Yeah. um, And that, uh, cause you know, we're breathing really deep. We're using our stomach muscles and pushing out our, um, you know, all the muscles and stuff. So it's really easy for, and we use our voices more. So if there even is a little yeah. bit, it's a, it's exacerbated a ton. And I went to doctor at UW and basically saved my voice. And he's not just an anti, but he's an otolaryngologist. And he really works with like, especially with singers. And yeah, that mine is, was too. yeah, I mean, that's, there's a lot i've seen doctors who are you know they're just not super sympathetic to the fact that you're singing they're like well s reflux doesn't like really affect your life it's like well it does if you're a singer and it hurts to sing so like if you have acid reflux like we're just going through a ton of medical problems right now if you don't have it you're lucky but like take you know go to the doctor immediately because that stuff can just get drawn out and what i had to do is i had to mark like for like a quarter of my sophomore year of singing, I was like marking, and um, which was like as in you know just uh, just very lightly singing, so I wouldn't wear myself out because I wore out so quickly. Yeah, and I know you had to do that too, Danny, but that's harder for you because you're in your falsetto most of the time, and that's what is yeah. affected. If you have a sore throat or something like that, uh, when I really when it was really bad for me, my high range was the one is what goes first. It's yeah. the most sensitive. Yeah, no, and that was tough. Like there were there were days when I remember I'd try and make sound come out, just wouldn't come out. Yeah. Um, because I you know had a sore throat or was dehydrated because I had been you know had my mouth open all night and your mouth breather to hydrate. Yeah, no, you don't want to be called a mouth breather every day, and you don't want to wake up, look in the mirror, and be like, hey, I'm a mouth breather, which is something I've always had to do. So I've hated that that's an insult because I'm like, hey. I, I this is a disability for me. This is hard. Um, you don't want to be at like a really nice play in like the emotional moment, and like when it's really like, quiet and someone's dying, you just you know, yeah. Oh God, no, that's Definitely so true. <laughs> in place, yeah, I've, I've done that, I, and I that's why I hated being miked um, for play. Oh God, people hear like my, you know, because it's just like yeah, you know, it's it's, it's there's so many things. It's not like you know we're not carrying our instruments around in a case we are there we have them all the time and anything that's wrong with us physically our bodies is going to affect our voice even like uh 
what is it? I had really bad like shoulder tension and like my shoulder was out and I needed to go to a chiropractor and it turns out the shoulder tension like it's tightened up some of my neck muscles which made it like my mm-hmm. teacher could hear it. it it contributed to a little bit of tenseness mm-hmm. in my sound and then i went and got the whole like crack in the neck atlantis style and i was fine but there are so many things that can go wrong with your voice and it's so scary and yeah. you know danny and i have danny and i have both you can navigate it as best you can and you really make sh- do do literally everything you can all the little things do them and all the big things can commit like hard yeah core. There's, I mean, there's there's no other advice we can give you than that than, like, go to doctors and don't put it off in any way. Don't um, put it off. Yeah, you, or you'll end up like us. You'll, you'll make it worse. You'll exacerbate it because you'll create other problems when yep. you're trying to compensate. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You <clears> might <throat> just, like, uh, you might not, you might kind of need to relearn breath support stuff because maybe you've just been singing breathy because that's the only way you could sing for a long time you know stuff like that you don't ever want to be in permanent marked position or anything like that you just want to be singing healthy go to doctors doctors are good really mm-hmm. really good uh so for our last topic here it's a tricky situation that we haven't talked about a lot on the show in the past actually i don't think we've talked about it on the show at all uh but danny and i have both had to deal with it and it's really really tricky in small groups and that's losing a group member whether that's for them you know having differences with the group or which is you know sad because then you know you're going your separate ways on what was originally a good collaboration hopefully but then you know um it's really bad too is you know just outside things that get in the way not even in regards to time so the tenor that left before danny who's a great singer he just like what we were talking about he had uh really bad vocal fatigue stuff he had medical vocal medical stuff going on that uh, he needed to get fixed and he just wasn't able to sing in the group for the last his entire last semester of senior year which is a big bummer and then danny do you want to describe what happened with uh, your member yeah, so we had our tenor two, who also did tenor one, um, <clears throat> had a really beautiful voice. Really and good voice. God, really super, good voice. like, angelic, you know? It was one of those things where you could really kind of just float through pieces. Yeah. Um, I was always jealous. I, wanted I wrote to, down, like, in um, big letters after his audition, floater. And yeah. people were like, what does that mean? I'm like, he can float really well. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I wrote down, like, you know, f- future boyfriend. Because I just, I fell in love with this kid right away. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, awesome, awesome, awesome. And he just had a, a personal issue that he had to deal with. Yeah. Mid-semester. And, and oh, it was yeah. an emergency, a family emergency. And uh, it was mid-semester. And uh, so, obviously, we were like, yeah, man, go. Like, we'll figure out a way. And yeah. this is probably eight weeks out from the concert. And that's um, so scary of a position to be in. And right at the point that we had learned everything. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I was lucky in that when our tenor left, it was he told me in like October, November. So then we had like a month and a half to find someone, which was like, who? And, that, and that's obviously how we found you. And it was in the fact that we got you before winter break. Then we were even able to like start pre-learning songs over the break and everything, get all the rep learned. But yours was much trickier. Yeah. And it was it was tough because we had well, when I say we had learned everything, we had learned about half of our repertoire. Enough for a concert, not enough for what we wanted. Like we yeah. had twelve songs and I think we had learned six or seven. Yeah. Really right. well by that point. And then all of a sudden this guy just had to go. And so, you know, I mean we said, you know, Godspeed and good luck, but we were totally left without <laughs> any kind of support on the second tenor. So yeah. 
we had talked about going back to a four part but then we realized we'd have to relearn everything so that wasn't possible yeah and as the president of the group at that time it was hard to deal with that and i had a lot of other things going on so delegate 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 um have people look um through like different channels we went to uh we had a few suggestions and we actually ended up being able to use but like one of the one of the first suggestions that we had which was um a guy who was in the uh adelphians choir um at our school which yeah. is like the, one of the big acapella or not acapella one of the big vocal choirs yeah um, I think the biggest. Um, yeah. So we were able to use him. I'd say the hardest part was not adjusting the group's sound because this kid had a wonderful voice um, and it was like a great replacement. And I think yeah. and, like we still sounded awesome, which was a blessing. Well, I think the hardest part for us was trying to have him learn everything that the group yeah well you had to drop like a ton of songs on his plate like go here you go we'll hope you learn them that i mean it was it was literally like we said dude like i hope you know what you're getting into because like you have to learn these seven songs in the next two weeks yeah. um and then we're gonna be in polish mode like we're gonna like yeah. and you know obviously it was a kind of thing where like you know he didn't have to have him memorized like we gave him a bit of leeway oh, and like yeah. you know, he was on a different schedule than the rest of us and ended up totally pulling through in the end but it's my scary. god it, it's was it's scary to say okay like we understand the level of challenge we're giving you and we understand that this is something that some other people potentially just like couldn't do so yeah. He wants you to really throw yourself behind this, and he did. And he, you know, we we like made sure we organized extra rehearsals. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not really the musical leader of the group since the whole like my debilitating illiteracy with the piano. Um, <laughs> so I, um, our musical director was, you know, would do a lot of little sectionals with him, and we started yeah. doing. So, we, we just kind of nixed our sectionals um, because we figured it was more, at this point, since most of the group knew everything really well, yeah. um, we nixed our sectionals and we just worked with him because we wanted him to have the whole group sound. We were like, we can't waste uh -huh. time. So we just devoted that to rehearsal time. So we were rehearsing three days a week um, for usually 45 minutes to an hour or, or even like an hour 30 some days. Like, I, I hate going over, so that was really mm -hmm. rare. Um, but you know we you had to adjust the direction of the group and to meet yeah. your situation and that's scary mid-semester mid-music learning and and i think you guys pulled it off very well and it was it scary is. that's why i always i whenever i hear auditions and even after the group is selected i'll always i won't tell the person but i'll like if there are some people who didn't get in but were really good i'll like just write their names down just this is a possible mm -hmm. arch alternate if this person doesn't work there should always be backups that you just have in your mind you don't need to tell them that because then you don't want to get their hopes up and have them planned you know that's just weird but yeah like I, I remember telling the current musical director Wyatt who was on episode five like hey if a bass leaves this is who you get rid of if not get rid of this is who <laughs> if a bass has to leave this is who you should contact or like two or like one or two names and then the same if the tenor has to leave this is who you contact and that's the guy who joined so it like you know it's hoping for the best planning for the worst yep and I think that's pretty much all the time we have today. And Danny, thank you so much for being an awesome guest here on Tacapella. Yeah, Talk, talk, pill. That'll do it for this episode. You can get a hold of me at John Lampus on Twitter. Also, Danny, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? So you can find uh, me at, at Danny Leapster on Twitter, and the Timbermen are uh, UPS Timbermen on Facebook. Look for the uh, emblem with 
the tree. Yeah, trees. Yes. So thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Tacapella. We have a bunch more fun episodes coming up. And for everything acapella, you're already in the right place. Acaville Radio. <laughs>